Welcome to Making Bank, the show for Bankless DAO by Bankless DAO, where each week we highlight a project and a personality from inside the Bankless DAO. We want to showcase the work that we do and the people who do it. This is our story as we journey to become more bankless. If you want to learn more about what it is that we do, then just keep listening. We hope you enjoy today's episode of Making Bank. Hi, I'm Drost, and welcome to another episode of Making Bank. Today's guest is Al Mathani, aka Lynx, project champion for Bankless Card. Frequent listeners of the show know that we highlight people and projects within Bankless DAO, as well as partner organizations that align with our mission and ethos. Bankless Card is one such project. Born out of Bankless DAO, it's a great example of innovation in Web3, and we're excited to share today's update with you. Hey, Lynx, welcome back to Making Bank. How are you today? Not bad, and thanks for having me. Super. Well, it's been a bit since you've been on. Uh, it was, what, gosh, early last year, I think. I'd, I'd have to go back and look at the episodes. But um, you are continuing to build, and uh, today is an update on the status of Bankless Card. And we should probably start by talking about what exactly is Bankless Card and wh- who is it for, what is it, uh, what's its purpose, that kind of thing. But yeah, what is Bankless Card? Ultimately, we want Bankless Card to be able to bridge the UX gap between Web3 and the real world. Uh, But as you're building a bridge from Web2 to Web3, you have to have a place to go. And we know we have to appeal to DAO contributors and DAOs themselves to make this happen. So right now, Bankless Card, as it starts, uh, will be a way for DAOs to fund themselves through their community. Super. I had looked at one of your recent presentations uh, on Bankless Card, and really uh, that learning curve is is difficult for most people. You need it to be easy. It needs to be simple. There's already cards like this out there, affinity cards where there's rewards either going to you for miles or whatever, or some kind of a reward going back to an organization that you're supporting. In some respects, it, it follows some existing models, but in other respects, it's totally new. And so this idea of being able to support DAOs through an affinity card is one of the new concepts here. Yeah, absolutely. I think that... As you said, affinity cards exist. I mean, when you are getting airline rewards or there's one near me that does movies, uh, you can you can get movies as your rewards. Or if you're uh, supporting breast cancer research or something like that, these are all affinity cards. They do exist. It is an existing model that's driving, I think, something like $2 trillion of, of sales yearly. Um, what we want to do is bring that to the Dow because... Uh, the DAO uh, is the new brand, and it is the the way for a lot of these kind of social causes to happen. There are DAOs that do all kinds of things, uh, from climate change to feeding starving kids in Africa. All of these are worthy causes, and, and DAOs are kind of leading the charge. So what we're doing is taking that existing industry and applying it to DAOs to allow people to support the things that uh, they think we need in the world. Absolutely. And and I'd like to touch on probably the elephant in the room. Uh, people are starting to listen to the episode and maybe scratching their head saying, wait a minute, bankless, bankless card, bank. What, what, wait a minute. I thought the whole idea here was to, was to get away from banks. But the reality is we still, you know, this is, this is we're still in kind of a, um, a transition state and, and onboarding needs to be easier. And whether you plan to you know, operate uh, substantially financially in, in this space using blockchain, or if you're just trying to support your, an organization that you like through your everyday purchases, right? It doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. 
Yeah, I think so. And I mean, it's true, you know, we're going to have to work with a bank to issue cards. But at the same time, you know, it's not one of these... uh, old large banks which basically are charging you fees for everything fees that you can't even avoid um it is you know one of these new neo banks these these banks that you know while they still may be banks that's also where a lot of the value of the current world is is accrued in in the traditional financial system if we completely wall off the crypto ecosystem and the traditional financial ecosystem, it's going to be very difficult for the crypto ecosystem to actually grow, to actually thrive. Um, what Bankless Card does is it actually allows participants in the DAO ecosystem to funnel some of those fees that banks are charging you, this interchange fee. You can't avoid it. You're paying it already every time you swipe a card. Uh, what Bankless Card allows you to do is funnel some of that into the DAO ecosystem, taking some of that uh, value from the traditional financial organization and using it um, to to uh, put some put some gas into the engine of Web three. Right, right. Every swipe, either a virtual swipe or a physical swipe of the card, represents a fee collection uh, through the interchange system. And basically, what you're doing with the plan here with Bankless Card is to distribute fifty percent of that that. Uh, interchange revenue back as rewards and affinity payments to those DAOs that that people are wanting to support. Is that correct? Am I getting that right? Yeah, you're getting that exactly right. We're okay. we're basically taking everyone's everyday spending, things you're already doing, and pushing a portion of it towards your favorite DAO. Great. You had done a survey, and I I'm seeing the survey results here are pretty compelling. I don't have the raw data on how many people you surveyed and so on, but these are in DAO space. But 77, about 77 percent of of the folks you surveyed said they would use a card that supports their DAO. Maybe speak to that. Did you get any other um, qualitative data out of that other than just yes, I'd like to do it? <laughs> yeah, we have tons of qualitative data. I actually come from product development, so that survey was a jobs to be done survey, and we actually had hundreds of participants um, from at least a dozen DAOs. And it's really interesting that people want to support their DAO. It's one of their top of mind issues, and it's one of the issues. So we asked in that survey, um, you know, how much do you want to support your DAO, or how important is supporting your DAO. And then the direct question immediately after that is, um, how well are you able to support your DAO right now? So actually, that idea of supporting your DAO is very important to people. And it's something that a lot of people have trouble with. You know, things happen in your real life. Um, You spend time and energy, and you can't always put as much time into the DAO as you would like. And the difficult part about that is usually the DAOs are where people are putting their love. You know, this is the thing that that people want to do. They would, if they could, spend full time in their DAO, but it's just not possible right now. So people have a strong emotional connection to their DAO. It's very akin to something that I felt in the Web2 space in a new startup, um, a startup that that is purpose-based, working towards something you believe in, and the people around you are working towards that same mission. There is something in there. There is a feeling of camaraderie. There is a feeling that you are doing something good, that your actions match the change that you want to be in the world. And so what this space needs is just a little bit of help to allow people to support their DAO without time or money. Uh, As I said before, you're just doing what you normally do, except you're using a different payment card to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think 
you know, the more and more these things need to be frictionless. We have so many, so many things that, I mean, even those of us that are really deep into the space and really love it, I mean, you just, it's hard enough to keep, keep up with it, even if you can spend a lot of time in it. And, and again, like you had said, wanting to support your DAO and not necessarily, uh, being able to give the time you want. Um, this is a great way to, to do that. Um, the other thing I wanted to, to touch on here is, uh, along with, uh, the capabilities here in terms of a, of a DAO token and being able to hold, hold those um those tokens uh, on your bankless card and be able to to do that uh, we're also looking you're also looking at swaps so being able to buy eth with um with us dollars or, or your local currency uh and also being able to um vote using the governance tokens that you hold so you'll actually be able to do in-app voting right is this my yep. is this like yeah and is that going to be on day one or is that like a one i have in v2 I'm hoping that'll be day one because essentially you start to accumulate these tokens and what do you do with them? I mean, the first use case for us is voting as well because I think anyone who's been in the DAO space, they probably have tokens for multiple DAOs. It's not always easy to understand, you know, when you're supposed to vote and as well get the background that you need to to make an informed decision. Um, It can be difficult. So, um, you're accumulating these tokens with Bankless Card. You know, you you swipe, you you earn a, a little bit of bank um, as a result of that swipe, and you want to put it to use. You you want to do something with it immediately. And I think voting is going to be one of those first use cases. Uh, hopefully, on day zero when we launch, you will have uh, the ability to vote with your tokens right there, and as well be notified when the vote is happening. For those other use cases that you mentioned, things like uh, fiat crypto swaps and crypto crypto swaps, those are things that we want to add probably post launch. Uh, and it's because, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why, uh, but one of the reasons is is it's a difficult uh, regulatory environment right now. Uh, the way that we are doing this allows us to, um, like, basically, you're spending fiat, you're being rewarded in crypto. You're not spending crypto yet, at least uh, at least not in our in our launch. This allows us to launch with a feature set that is going to stand up to regulatory scrutiny. So we want to add on-ramping and swaps and that kind of stuff in the future. Um, But at launch, it will be a very modest kind of um, pay with fiat, earn DAO social tokens, and use those tokens to vote. Right. Great. It's pretty ambitious, but you guys have made a lot of progress. Um, And part of that was, a big part of that actually was the organization structure. Um, You are operating as your own DAO now, is that correct? Yes, we are. I mean, we operate mainly within Bankless DAO. We leverage everything Bankless DAO has to offer: um, the grants program, the Discord administration, uh, the Notion setups, all of the different tools and, and everything that that Bankless DAO has to offer. But yes, we are a self-sovereign DAO. We have our own governance proposals. We have our own grants framework. So we we are a, a sub DAO, I guess you could call us. Great. And then you've recently gotten yourself set up to be able to transact in the real world to have an entity and structure that in a way that that works for the organization. I know that was really hard to set up. I'm sure that's been a big piece of getting to the point you're at today. I think 
Definitely, it is a big piece of it. We haven't quite minted that structure yet. We're in the middle of it right now. But figuring out how it was going to work was a big part of our challenge because when you're looking for investment, when you're looking to issue cards, everyone wants to know that you're on the up and up uh, from a legal and compliance perspective. So we had to spend a lot of time figuring out how that would work while maintaining our DAO ethos. And that's the tricky part. Anyone can kind of create a corporation, but how do you create a corporation that, that can actually allow the kinds of things that you have with DAOs, things like um, like voting in your leadership. You know, I can be voted out in this DAO. That is a a strong reason for me to be a better leader to to ensure that that I don't get voted out. I think that that is the difference between a traditional organization and Bankless Card. And the way that we did that was we essentially um, have. Uh, a Panama Foundation, which is an ownerless entity which exists in Panama, thanks to the Legal Guild for helping us figure that out. And that entity, um, the role holders in that entity map directly to um, the project champion, me. So there's a role holder called the Protector um, of the Panama Foundation. And that protector is held accountable by the multi-signers. And in the Panama Foundation, um, these are called the Directors of the uh, of the foundation and then finally every foundation has a group of beneficiaries uh who the foundation is made to uh to to benefit and in this case it is token holders of the bcar token um so we have kind of a a legal structure which straddles both um on chain and off chain and that's that's the the secret sauce to to how we're going to operate yeah i mean it's fascinating and i don't even begin to understand all of it but um i but looking at the structure and seeing some of the diagrams there, and also just the point being that that it is a combination of, of, of anon pseudonymous, but also fully doxed individuals. You are fully doxed yourself, Al Mathani. Um, you have 15 plus years of startup experience. You're a veteran in that space. Uh, Chris Beal, and a thinker. He's on the partnership side. Uh, uh, super. Anyone who's dealt with Chris and uh, a thinker knows that he's a solid guy. Uh, Jasu, I always mispronounce because J in Spanish is pronounced as an H. And, and um, so is it Jasu or Hasu, Victoria? I think it's Hasu. Um, Hasu. She's right. very open about, about just being like, oh, you know, whatever. But I yeah. think it's Hasu. And she's on the design t- side. And then you've got Tom Trammer, who's on uh, the development side. He's a Web3 builder. We've got Arenas. I don't see his last name very often. Arenas. Kalnins on communication and he's um he's been in the design guild and he's got quite the chops with audio visual production skills and, and just a uh, great human being and then on the multi-sig you've got bob rustern samantha Marin, renee israel rex and then you and and a thinker so it's quite the quite the team of skilled individuals with tons of experience yeah, it's all about the team right i think that the, the team is one of the most one of the most important things right i mean ultimately one of the values of web3 is resiliency right uh no one point of failure. And when you have a team that you get along with and kind of feel the same way as you, uh, it says a lot about how long that team is actually going to last. Um, we've been working together for a while and people have come and gone and and whoever leaves, they always um, leave with the intention that maybe I can come back and, and work on this a little bit more when my life uh, will allow that. But that's the great thing about DAOs is you can pop in and out as you like and the DAO continues on. When you step down, it gives someone else an opportunity to step up and, and luckily that's exactly what happened at, at Bankless Card. Absolutely. That's great. All right. And just in terms of status, talking about compliance and, and so on, you've had um, multiple offers of service from different card issuers, and really it's a matter of the right match, right? You've actually turned down at least one. It didn't really match what the project was trying to do. And, and as hard as that was to walk away from that, you've 
felt it was the right thing. And you're not just trying to get something out the door to ship it. You're wanting to do the right thing. And so, yeah, 800 pre-launch signups so far. We're probably up to 1,000 now, over 10 DAO partnerships. These DAO contributors we mentioned, um, over 30 uh, that are working on the project right now. And you are looking for more, right? Yeah. I mean, when we look at what we're going to need for fundraising, I mean, over the last three months. We've done 21 pitches to different investors, all kinds of investors, um, syndicate investors, angels, um, VC investors, small ones, large ones, Web3, non-Web3. We've really been trying to cast a wide net to kind of understand the finance ecosystem that we're in because it is different than it was a year ago. And that year ago was different than it was a year before because what we really need right now is not deals or anything like that. What we really need is investment to launch this product. And so we know that what we need from investment is more traction. So we're switching our gears a little bit. We have been a little bit more deeper on the technology side. We're looking uh, to take those, like, you know, we have like 850 email signups or whatever. We want to get that up to, you know, 10,000. We have 10 DAOs who are signed up as launch partners. We want to get that up to 50. I think that it's really important uh, if we want to get investment to show that there are people behind this, that it is an idea that people can rally behind. And uh, it's really important that we're able to to get those traction numbers for us to be able to secure investment. So that's kind of what our big focus is right now. We're looking to secure investment and to secure investment, we're going to be, um, I guess, like, sharing ourselves with the community at large a little bit more to show what we're all about and hopefully get people to rally behind what we're trying to build. Yeah, great. Absolutely. I wanted to touch on just you're talking about gaining traction and, you know, it's combination investment and then also getting more signups and, and more DAOs. And uh, I've looked at uh, just briefly this model you've got on, it really isn't going to take that many users. I mean, you're showing a cash flow positive uh, based on um, uh, some top line projections here that really can can be cash flow positive in less than two years with only about fifteen thousand users based on some some you know pretty reasonable assumptions in terms of you know you've got a little bit of churn rate you've got uh, a certain number of transactions per user per month just kind of figuring out those things and um, and so yeah fifteen thousand users using the card among a range of DAOs and so on, really isn't that big of a number. The hurdle isn't that high. It's true. I think that you look at, you know, 15,000 people and for a traditional Web2 growth startup, 15,000 is like nothing, right? Like it is it is a small amount of people. So a lot of people do a double take when they see that number, but you have to understand that what we're looking at, what the, the play that we're going for is not that we're going to be building all of the different technology. We're not building anything necessarily new. What we're doing is we're bringing a bunch of different technologies together for the DAO ecosystem. And I think that that's the difference is that we're building something for the DAO ecosystem using Web3 and Web2 technology in concert, figuring out the kind of legal structure that we need to use, the organizational structures that we'll need to use, the compliance frameworks and all that kind of stuff. All we're doing is putting stuff together in a way that no one has put together before for the benefit of the DAO community. So even if our projections are wrong and it's going to take double or quadruple that amount of people that's still only like less than 100,000 people in the DAO space which has been growing you know year after year even in the bear market there are 7 million people holding governance tokens there are 2 million people actively voting uh, on governance proposals this is a market that is 
um, growing rapidly and big enough to support an idea like this. And the best part is this uh, bankless card, this idea, um, allows more people to uh, to participate in that ecosystem. So it is kind of, uh, everyone talks about their flywheel in Web3, uh, while Bankless Card will feed that flywheel for the entire ecosystem. Yeah, that's exciting. You know, I've been in this space a couple of years now too, and you, you're accumulating tokens, and yeah, you vote on Snapshot things once in a while. And at least for me, for the most part, it's just sitting there doing nothing. And part of the goal here is to have them have use whether it's voting on things or interacting with other DAOs or, you know, whatever we're doing with them, it's all experimental. So yeah, I think driving engagement, how do we increase participation and reduce friction at the same time? And it's really, really hard. Yeah, it can be really difficult, right? And But the thing is that it can enable so many people. I mean, if you look at Bankless HQ, Ryan and David, they transitioned what they were doing, just kind of like a commentary on the Web3 ecosystem, into a full-time gig for them, and even more. They created a movement out of this. And they have something like 2 million people who listen to them regularly, and a small portion of that are going and, and actually paying for their upgraded content and that kind of thing. That is a big barrier to, to take out your wallet and say, I'm going to pay $10 a month to access this content. Um, so smaller podcast producers or, or uh, content content creators in general, uh, they are just never going to hit that kind of scale that they need to do this full time through that means. But, uh, you know, someone like you, Drost, who has a few hundred listeners, even you could get them to select your sub DAO in Bankless Card. And maybe it's not something that you're going to be able to go full time, but at least at that point, you're going to start generating revenue immediately. And I think that that zero to one is one of the most difficult parts in, in any new kind of business. You need to see that your labor, that your love is producing some kind of benefit for you to be able to have the confidence to take that next step and, and try to go full time. Yeah, well said. Well said, Lynx. We all want to create more value for what we're doing. We all want to drive value for the token, even though, quote, it's a governance token. It's not meant to <laughs> we won't get into all of that. Um, that the jury is still out as to what that is classified as. But in the meantime, we can build things and support the organizations that we care about and do it in a way that is familiar, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's the key is that if we can... I really believe that if we get back to that idea of the biggest barrier to mass adoption of Web3 is UX, I think the point when you'll will have mass adoption is when people don't even need to understand the technology, but they are still getting the benefits of Web3. So we talk a lot about the technology, this L2, that L2, but really what we want to be talking about is the fact that this stuff is uncensorable. Right. And it is something that allows you to have a direct connection with someone without going through a million centralized third parties. Right. That you can have a direct connection with people. Um, it is uncensorable. All of these kinds of benefits of blockchain. Uh, that is what we're trying to bring to the to the rest of the to the rest of the world. Not uh, you should be on this L2 or you should be using this wallet or this technology. Just you should be getting this benefit and it's easy for you to get that benefit because we've made it easy. Right. The reality is most people don't care about all the minutiae. They don't. They just they just want to go on about their day and support the organizations they care about and not have to think about it a whole lot. So yes, this is sorely needed. And yeah, Bankless Card can be a part of that improved user experience that we all need. 
Yeah, you never hear Web two startups. At, you know, for all the faults of Web two startups, they they are world changing organizations, and they've done some great things. And I think the biggest thing that they've done is they've made people expect a higher level of user experience. They've made people expect that products should be easy to use, and that is an excellent thing for users to expect. You don't hear Facebook saying like, hey, we are on the Cloudflare network and we are serving you from AWS or anything like that. No one cares about that. They just want to know that they can stay in touch with their friends. Web3 needs to make it to that level too. Yes, it does. And I would just like to speak to decentralization for a moment. I was in in one of your meetings recently and there was a discussion about voting and who's on the multi-sig and all of that for approving transactions. And and, you know, it's a pretty small team right now and you've got other priorities. You don't want to spend a lot of time on admin, but you brought up a great point. You said, look, this is easy right now because uh, there's not a lot of money involved and so on. But what if we do become hugely successful in two or three years, five years down the road? We haven't solved that decentralization thing. And now suddenly you, Almathani, is, <laughs> you know, and you're the one that brought it up and you said, I don't want to be in that position. And so we need to solve these things before we get to that place. And I, I really respect that about you. And that's, that's part of the ethos of why you're here. And I'm, I'm tuning your horn for you because I know you would never say that about yourself, but that's part of what gives me confidence in you is that you are always trying to abstract yourself away from (laughs) these things. And that's part of what decentralization is about. For me, the the promise of decentralization is resiliency, right? So like if anything happens to me, I would like that bankless card can continue on, right? And I think that in a lot of traditional organizations, you get to that point, right? But not in a way that really works. I mean, you saw, okay, Apple lost Steve Jobs and, and it took probably a decade for Apple to regain its footing, right? You could definitely notice the loss of Steve Jobs in Apple. And for a lot of intents and purposes, Steve Jobs was Apple at the point of his death. And I think that that is something that is really scary to anyone who is part of one of these organizations. It's it's just this idea of a culture that there's no such thing as someone who is an organization. The organization is its people, is its contributors, is its users, is it whoever is involved. And to me, that, that is the promise of Web3, this idea of resiliency. And I, I think if we can build a resilient organization, that would be something that the world could really need. Because right now, you look at the S&P 500 and stuff like that, and there's something like a 70% turnover on those companies that are in there every 10 years. I think that it's something like one in five businesses will succeed in the next five years. So it's like 80% of businesses will go out of business. And if we can instead create a business or an organization that is more resilient, I think that that would be capturing that essence of Web3 built on this blockchain, which is intended to be a resilient resource. Yeah. And and just on that note, and this can go into a, a different sort of conversation, but well, see if you want to take it there. And that is the decentralization spectrum, if you will, I think sometimes, this isn't just me, I mean, I've been reading and hearing it and living it, (laughs) but uh, is that trying to decentralize too early can actually be problematic in that you really do need a product champion, a project champion in the early days to wrangle the thing and to drive stuff forward. Because if you've you've got too many, uh, the analogy, too many cooks in the kitchen, it's true. Uh, you can't get anything done if everyone's a decision maker. 
I think you'd probably agree with that. And then at what point and what is the balance there? At what point do you do you start to distribute responsibility, distribute accountability, all of those kinds of things? And I know that you're pretty heavy on the governance side, and I know it's another topic that you're interested in. I mean, I'm pretty opinionated on the idea of decentralization. When I joined Bankless DAO, the zeitgeist of decentralization, which I strongly disagreed with, was that decentralization is direct democracy. Everyone should have a say in every decision. And it was quickly shown that that makes no sense, right? And I think that you can kind of in- instinctively understand why that makes no sense if you understand like, oh, okay, we have this like really technical decision that needs to be made. Uh, we have the developers who are involved with the project. They could make that decision. Or, hey, we could get you know, uh, 50 other people who have no idea about the project or about anything technical and get them to vote on it. And then it just turns into a popularity contest. For me, decentralization means distributing authority to the place which has the best information to make that decision. So when you talk about this idea of, oh, don't decentralize too soon, to me, it is not that at all. It is a spectrum from a single person. So let's say I started a project. I have all the power if I've started that project. I have all of the decision-making ability. As soon as I add another person in a traditional organization you may try to like oh let's create roles and responsibilities let's try to figure this out um you know i do this you do that but in a DAO, what we try to do is say like oh okay um you know i've i've been doing this project by myself i'm doing the development i'm doing the marketing i'm doing the design i'm doing all this stuff hey what would you like to contribute oh you want to work on the design okay great you know, do this one design task for me and we'll see how you do. And over time, um, that person's credibility grows until the point where you're like, okay, you know what? Um, Drost is now handling all of design. So the idea that you are constantly delegating authority or distributing authority to the places uh, where people have the best information to make it, that is the difference between a DAO and a traditional organization. So it is really a spectrum from not... um, let's be decentralized, uh, let, let's not be decentralized at first and let's be decentralized later. It is a spectrum that happens as you, as a project champion, are decentralizing pieces of the organization continually over and over again through enabling your contributors to do these things. And as they prove themselves, um, giving, empowering them even more to do even greater things. I think that that is the kind of organization that I always wanted to build in Web2, but I just wasn't able because of the, because of the way that Web2 financing is set up. In a DAO, I think that people understand this a little bit more instinctively, even though it's not necessarily the zeitgeist right now of decentralization. Yeah, and there's some really interesting tooling on the DAO side um, that really help with decentralization by the very fact of contributing. I think Colony is one of them where as you add contribution, completed tasks and done well, you gain credibility, gain, I forget what the terminology they use in it is, but but it naturally increases the power of the people that are contributing more and decreases the power of those that are not contributing as much. And so if your contribution ebbs and flows over time, it takes that into account by the amount of activity you've got. And so that's, that's a really interesting way of basically automating decentralization. Uh, without having to have uncomfortable conversations with people. Well, I think that's really interesting, but I'm actually for those uncomfortable conversations. (laughs) The reason is, is just because I I don't think we're at the place yet. There are some people who think code should be law and i understand the <laughs> i understand the desire for that but as uh, like i'm a, i'm a someone who's been developing software for 30 years and you know that idea that 
code is law is actually terrifying. It terrifies me too. Yeah, it is it is uh it is just people write code. <laughs> yeah, people write code and there are ways to formally verify code, but it is very expensive and no one's doing that in the DAO ecosystem, right? For me, it's not enough for for us to say code is law. Hey, if you want to see what this smart contract does, read the code because 95% of people won't be able to understand what it does. And even the 5% of people who could don't have the time, ability, or gumption to actually go into a smart contract code and really understand what it's doing and all of the different implications. You could be staring at a piece of code for 10 years and not understand all of the little edge cases and all of the little external factors which make a difference. So for me, those uncomfortable conversations, uh, that is how you build kind of a social DAO. I think that having humans in the process is not a bug, it is a feature, right? And Web3 could be a more human way to work. And I think that that's really important, right? Like, let's not lose sight of what we're trying to do. We're not trying to to uh, completely eliminate humanity from our lives. That would be ridiculous, right? No, we want, we want more humanity. That's what we're missing in Web2. Right. Yeah, to my mind, there, there are tools that can be used to improve our human condition. And they can do the opposite, too. I mean... Just think of any of the most powerful tools that you can either use it for good or for bad. And uh, that's true of anything. Yeah, that's a whole other philosophical conversation. And I would agree with you. They, these are tools to, to help humanity. We're not trying to eliminate humans. And it's the same idea around AI. The idea, I would think, would be to give humans more ability and freedom to to do the cool things, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, so there is a Canadian philosopher named Marshall McLuhan whose basic idea around new media, any kind of media, he counts money as media, clothing as media. He would count blockchain as media. He would count like each one of these new, uh, like AI as media. And any one of those increases the human, um, I forget what he calls, like essentially the reach of our senses. And so each one of those is kind of a, an addition onto our human experience. What it means to be human changes as these new forms of media appear. And so I think when you look at blockchain, it is the idea of ownership that is being changed. And what do you get when you start changing ownership from the traditional structures? I think that that is, is the interesting part about DAOs is that they present a way for us to change the way that we own communities because there's just so many, it's just not possible to experiment with the owning of communities in a kind of permissionless, trustless way before blockchain. Now with blockchain, we have the ability to experiment and create all these new different kinds of communities that aren't the ones that exist right now just because we want to, just because we want to have a better environment uh, than we than we did before. And that is... is uh, is what we're doing right now is experimenting. Cool. Well, that's a pretty good note to end on. I am super excited about what you're doing. You've been with the Bankless DAO for quite some time. I don't, I don't know. Did you start way back two years ago? I don't remember. No, I uh, started in like September or like summerish 2021, I think. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. it just seems like you've been around forever and you've been involved in a lot of things. You've been on the grants committee. You've been in governance. Yeah, uh, worked on a number of projects. Always, um, and talking about uncomfortable conversations, you're really good about. I'm really, I have a hard time jumping in and, and having those hard conversations, especially writing it down. And and I just wanted to thank you for that. It's not easy. I think you do it with with a level of um, a finesse and openness that is challenging. I think for me anyway. And so, so I just wanted to express that. Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate you, and I'm really excited about what Bankless Card is doing. 
And with that, as far as what, what you're looking for, we said before, looking for Web3 native folks, especially in finance and marketing, uh, at least in the past, on advisors, more channel partnerships. We're looking for more DAO partners, uh, build that pre-launch list, get more feedback. And then, of course, on the investment side, this is not an investment show. We're just updating people on the projects, uh, people within Bankless DAO and related organizations. And just a reminder that this show is for information and entertainment purposes only, and it is absolutely not investment or financial advice. Bankless Card is one project within Bankless DAO, and it's a great example of innovation in Web3. And I'm personally excited to have you here, Links, to share today's update with our listeners. I will also express thank you to you as well, because I think being through the bear market um, and, and still uh, shipping on a regular basis and still being involved with the DAO, that's not nothing. Uh, I wouldn't be around if it wasn't for people like you uh, as well who are who are contributing. So as long as we continue contributing, I think we'll get there. So thank you as well, Drost. I appreciate it. Great. Thank you so much, Links. And we will have, uh, obviously, links in the show notes. Um, and I don't think we can fit you physically in there, but we... <laughs> Sorry, that was pretty bad. You'd be hard-pressed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. This has been Making Bank, a production of Bankless DAO. If you'd like to learn more about Bankless DAO, please visit bankless.community on the web for more information and how to get started. And of course, if you like what we're doing, please like, subscribe, and follow on your favorite podcast platform.